I am not a mental health professional. Nothing here should be considered actual professional mental health advice. Web pages and phone numbers to people who are trained to help you will be provided at the conclusion of this episode. Trigger warning. This episode will discuss mental health and suicide at great length. Listener discretion is advised. I felt this was appropriate to do on Suicide Awareness Day and on the eve of September 11th. I once knew a guy who worked with me at one of the various rescue squads I've worked. Um, He's a good guy. I knew him when he was younger. Enthusiastic. Um, funny, uh, just an all around happy guy. When I knew him, he was a kid, um, struck me as a bit odd, but who in this business isn't, but yeah, just a good guy. And despite the fact that I'd left that particular organization some time ago, I heard that he'd gone on to become a decent provider as far as him being an EMT and uh, a good firefighter. And about four years ago, this guy who I knew and remembered as being a smiling, helpful, and upbeat guy decided to step in front of a train and end his life and that's that's what he did his actions are not at all uncommon in our line of work unless you haven't been listening to this podcast you know that by trade I'm a paramedic and I've been a paramedic for 16 years and The scenario I just mentioned is nowhere near uncommon. Suicide was the 10th leading cause of death in 2017. And during the research for this episode, I came across an article, which I have here by health services researcher, Dr. Catherine R. Counts back uh, this was from November 2018 from the website ems1.com and she stated that she looked at a study that came out of the University of Arizona's College of Medicine and the study was performed between 2009 and 2015 and it examined all the deaths that occurred in Arizona and those deaths of Arizona, uh, of Arizona residents who might not have lived in Arizona at that time, but they uh, might have lived in other states or countries. Um, disclaimer, you know, uh, statistics and data can be made to say anything you want, but um, so I just, I present you, I say that to say this. Um, 
the statistics, the the study was done by category. It was done uh, by category stating that the groups were either labeled people who were EMTs or non-EMTs. So it was done by occupation. And apparently firefighters were included in the emergency medical technician count as well. Um, here are some quotes that arose from the study. And if at any point anybody would like to know the web page that I got these from, you know, I'm a, I'm a stickler for uh, citation. So uh, you just drop me a line and I'll give you the information. But here are the quotes. National survey data suggests that EMTs have a tenfold higher incidence of suicidal thoughts and attempts, both of which are strongly associated with suicide contemplation. Of those deaths, there were 63 deaths attributed to suicide in the EMT cohort, representing 5.2% of all EMT deaths compared to 2.2% among non-EMTs, which means that, which roughly translates that people who are in EMS are 1.3 times more likely to die by suicide than their non-EMT counterparts when controlling for basic demographics. Here's some more stuff. While performing EMS services, EMTs are exposed to suicide completions and attempts. Exposure to suicide has also been found to independently increase the risk of suicidal ideation. Elevated occupational stress, alcohol use, and suicidal ideation amongst EMTs coupled with that established connection between these risk factors and suicide support our findings of increased suicide amongst EMTs. I don't say all this to present a woe is me in regards to how the public views my coworkers and I. I don't present this to, 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 I don't know. I don't, I don't present this in order to try to push any idea of like martyrdom, martyrdom on us. I mean, we chose to do this job. I always said though, and I still say it to people I come into contact with in regards to the job, I wish somebody had really sat me down and talked to me about the costs of doing this job in a real way when I got started. And when I say costs, I'm not talking about what it costs to go to EMT or paramedic school. I'm not talking about 
costs of medical equipment that you might use or come into contact with during the performance of your duties. What I'm talking about are the costs, the mental, physical, psychological costs that can arise from doing this job. This job and you know, this this goes for a lot of other jobs too, but this is for my the people who do what I do. This is for us. Because no one's gonna take care of us but us. So yet no one talked to me about the, the cost of doing this job. And I think that a lot of people get into the job thinking that it's one thing and it's it's a great job like I've, I've said this before you know I, I love being a paramedic it's it's uh it's rewarding um it's really rewarding at times and sometimes man it's it's really a drain it's really a drain um so yeah I don't offer these things up to make it out like we need any special recognition but the facts are alarming this is this is our reality and what I want people who are listening to this whether you are a provider or not, but especially the providers, uh, I want you to take away from all this is that we are human beings just like everybody else subject to flaws, fears, shortcomings, you know, being concerned that we're not good enough we are human beings who subject ourselves, who often subject ourselves to the worst scenarios of the human condition. And we are expected to get it right every single time. Reload and get ready for the next encounter without any residual effects. That's what the public expects. That's our reality. And, you know, I get it. You know, I don't, I, you know, when I had my run in with a, uh, when I had a run in with the, with an ambulance service that treated me, when I had my medical emergency and they performed in a less than stellar, I'm being kind an unprofessional manner and I get it you know I understood that they were flawed and imperfect human beings but I needed for them to get it right or at least act like they gave a damn um, but like I said well their their problem was more a thing where they were just lazy than 
anything else. But I digress. Um, we're, we need, we're expected to get it right all the time. And like I said, reload, get it ready for the next one and then go into the next one and go into the next one. And it's not supposed to affect us. And that's simply not true. We do. We are affected. And sometimes so adversely that it comes down to a breakdown in our mental health. And my message, the overarching message that I want everybody to take is that we are flawed, but we're here. And if you are a provider and you need help, you're not broken and make yourself a priority to go seek that help. Okay. All right. We're going to take a quick break and I'll come back and we'll talk about this a little bit more. So how do we get here? Well, I guess we need to talk about the culture. Um, it's a little bit different now, I think, but, um, the culture of EMS is still a predominantly male, uh, male culture, white male. And, um, the way I came up, it's, and you know, mind you, I've only got 16 years on the job, but with the way I came up, you just sort of, uh, you know, you had a bad call and you just sort of, you sort of, uh, you sort of stowed it and and compartmentalized it and you know maybe make a make a joke humor especially what's called uh, gallows or dark humor is the way we deal with it in EMS a lot of times, you know, you maybe make a joke with it, make a joke about it, and um, and you move on. You know, we uh, back when I started, we used to joke about uh, critical incident, critical incident stress debriefings, uh, or critical incident stress management. Um, they were offered to us, you know, in the case of, of bad calls, but we, a lot of times we just joke like, nah, we're not, not, not talking to them. We're not talking to these people. Um, now you were expected to, you know, put on your, you know, put on your big boy pants and get to that next call, homie, you know, restock your truck. You know, okay, that's great. You know, it's, it's you were on a jacked up call. Okay, uh, restock that truck. Make sure you got your stuff to, in in order or whatever, and uh, get back out there. Get back out there, um, because somebody somewhere might need us. Um, we, I don't know. We, we were supposed to be, uh, and you know, like I said, I've only got sixteen years in. You know, the, the, the generation before me, shoot, you know, I can't even imagine. I mean, they didn't even wear gloves. The old school, the old school 
heads who who did this job, they didn't even wear gloves. They were they were of the mentality like, and I've talked to the older heads. You know, you go into calls and with just your bare hands, and then it's like, oh yeah, you know, the the, the bloodier the better. You know, some sort of you know a badge of um you know how bad this call was and how tough you were in regards to managing it, whatever. Uh, like, ah, I'm not wearing any gloves, you know, I'm not wearing any gloves. That's, it's not for, for, you know, hardcore providers. So, um, so the, you know, that was the generation before, you know, before mine going back. So I can't even imagine the idea and reg- ideas in regards to dealing with mental health and stuff like that in our profession back then. I can't speak to how it is now. Uh, maybe it's different now, but I know that uh, it's still, some circles are still seen as less than, less than tough to go seek some help. I mean, people will pay it lip service and say, you know, go ahead and talk to EAP or, you know, go seek out somebody or whatever. But a lot of times you'll still hear the whispers around and that a uh, person can't hack it, you know, person not, not cut out for the job. And, you know, it's, it's not right. It's not right. I mean, mental health issues are nothing new to this job. I can think back to one of the places where I worked before where the chief once joked to me and this was pretty, this was pretty, uh, this was pretty much a standard joke, but he joked to me once that all of his medics were properly medicated and ready, ready for the day. Uh, medicated for the day and medicated for uh, the meeting. And I remember thinking, wow, that's, that's, uh, I think I was just getting into the, into the profession at that point. I was thinking like, wow, everybody here is medicated. And he was like, man, I'm, I'm only half joking, you know, uh, you know, almost everybody here at this table is on some sort of medication. And that's, once again, not to stigmatize mental health issues. I mean, if you have a mental health issue, you should be treating it uh, like you have high blood pressure or coronary artery disease or something like that. There's no stigma in that. But by the same token, the same way you would look at and medicate someone for high blood pressure, you have to look at the comorbid factors like diet what are you putting into your body that might be further contributing or making the high blood pressure worse so the same thing has to be said in regards to mental health and this job is like okay well you're on medication for mental health issues but could maybe the job and the culture surrounding the job 
be contributing to your and possibly worsening your mental health condition. And let me put this disclaimer out there. Not every provider has PTSD or mental health issues. Um, equally as bad as providers um, having legit issues, you have this influx of people who think it's once again somehow cool. I don't know where you, at what point you think this is cool, but cool or tough or whatever kind of twisted thing you have going on in your head where you think any of this thinking having some sort of disorder is uh, you know some sort of stripes and you know some sort of street cred uh, no so not every provider has PTSD or mental health issues um but I also want to stress that it doesn't take a 16 year career to develop uh, PTSD or mental health issues. You sometimes, man, you can you can have one call and one bad call and bad you know, uh, varies from person to person, but you can have one really bad call, one really severely traumatic thing happen. And that could be, that could be it. I knew a guy who was my son's karate teacher. And when I met him, he told me, you know, we, we made introductions and, and he asked what I did told him I was a medic. He said, oh man, I was a medic too for like a day. And I said, what? What are you talking about? And he said, oh yeah, man, I went to paramedic school. I went to EMT school. I went to paramedic school. I did the whole nine yards. I did my, my ride time with the fire department. I got hired by the fire department. And my first day out of the academy on an ambulance riding, I think, I guess he was riding as a third um, he had something traumatic regarding a child and he resigned directly after the call. Now, I'm sure that some people probably a tried to talk him out of it. B went behind his back and talk shit on him like oh man he, he can't hack it you know if you think this is bad you know if you, if you if you can't deal with this and you can't deal with the job and see maybe there were some who were supportive but I, I highly doubt it but all that to say is that kudos to him for recognizing that he'd had enough a lot of people that I know in this job the biggest thing that they the biggest service that they have done to themselves and you know not casting any judgment just because you know you get locked in this job and you you know it's, it's good money well it's fair money you can make a living on it and um 
but the biggest disservice they do to themselves is that they end up staying way beyond their expiration date. Um, you got to know when to say enough. And that's always been a mantra of mine. Uh, one of my my best friend, you've heard me talk about him before, got me into this. You got uh, told me early and, you know, said, man, you, you got to know when it's enough. It may not come today, it may not come tomorrow. It may not come for 20 years. But when you get the bad, you know, you get that bad call or whatever, you know, you can't deal. You got to you got to be able to say, you know, all right, that's enough. Um, I know a person who had and it's funny, not funny, haha, but funny, ironic, the uh, a person who was a medic and there. I know the person and I know the partner. I know both of them personally. Um, the person was the medic and the partner were responding to a call involving a child and it ended up being a very, it, the child ended up dying a very gruesome death. And that was it. Uh, the medic has not practiced EMS since that call. Their partner still does. Um, who, who looks after the people who do the looking after who cares for the caregiver you know I think about this a lot who cares for the caregivers um, you gotta know when when's enough when you've seen enough and I promised myself and I promised my family that you know if it ever got to the point where it's where I've seen enough I would walk away I don't ever want, I don't want to end up where I'm uh, fighting patients or fighting my partner or I don't know any other drastic um, thing that people do and end up with these extremes. So yeah, these, this is the culture, man. You gotta, you know, you gotta be tough. You gotta be resilient. You gotta be, strong you know you're expected to you know we're expected to be to take a lick and keep on ticking and maybe you know like i said you you do the you do the dark humor you know i've done i'm not proud of it but it's the truth man i've done dark humor over people who 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 i'm, I'm working on you know on people who are are dead um and it's one of those things you know where i've had to sit back and look at myself and say man this is this is somebody's loved one man you can't be you know I, I never was unprofessional uh per se I would never you know we still rendered the best care um but still you end up when you start looking at things you start looking at people as encounters and you're not you start seeing your humanity uh, your humanity chipped away uh, that's one of those things where you have to really step back and say, you know, I, I gotta, I gotta do better or I gotta get out. Um, so yeah, the culture was not healthy in regards to, 
uh, dealing with mental health issues and stuff like that. You know, people would turn to self-medication, whether it's, you know, drinking or doing drugs or being hypersexual or reckless behavior in general. Any combination of all three plus reckless behavior just in general. Um, or just shutting out, you know, um, completely shutting down for long periods of time. You know, you start arguing with your spouse or your loved ones or whatever, and you start distancing yourself with pe- from people, and you start only associating with people who do the job. And, oh, man, it's a bad deal, guys. It's a bad deal. When I was doing the instructing thing heavy, I would tell people who were getting into the job, I'd say, hey, listen, um, here's one thing I want you to take away from all this. If you take away nothing in regards to the technical portions of the instruction, um, have something else to fall back on. When I say that, I mean, I mean, don't be constantly doing EMS. I've seen people do EMS 24-7 in some way, shape, form, or fashion to the point where it defines their existence. And it's not healthy. EMS and fire. It's not healthy. You have to do something else. You have to be a complete human being. EMS and fire will not provide you with that well-roundedness, okay? Let this be your job. Let this be your profession. Let this be a profession that you're proud to do. Let this be a profession that you do well and you work to do well at. But uh, still, when it's time to take the uniform off, take the uniform off and make time for yourself, for your family, for your hobbies, your your interests, stuff like that. Have perspective. Um, yeah, you, you've got to have perspective. Um, so, yeah. Um, I was talking to a couple of co-workers of mine yesterday uh, about going to... Well, so what, what can... What, I guess before I even get to that, what can we do? What can you do? All right. This is not all gloom and doom. All right. So, yeah. Um, you can go and talk to somebody. Okay. So, I was talking to some coworkers about going me going to talk to somebody uh, today. I've been talking about going to see somebody professionally um, for a while now. You know, I'm not ashamed to say it. You know, with, with when it comes to this, Guys, if you know me in real life, you know, I, and, and we're, we're close, you know, I've talked about going to see someone to talk about, to talk this stuff out uh, for a minute now. Uh, if, if we're real close, you know, you might have even give me some suggestions of who, who you've talked to. Um, but I was talking just in a bit of irony, sad, twisted irony, um, talking to some coworkers of mine yesterday while on duty about the fact that I was going to go to a session, a counseling session today, a group therapy session today, 
which went awesome, by the way. Um, and at the same time that I was having this discussion with my coworkers, a notification popped up on my Facebook feed. The notification on my Facebook feed was about University of uh, Pennsylvania's head of counseling and psychological services. Um, I think if I, if I remember correctly, he was 52 years old and in a bit of tragic irony, he committed suicide last Monday. He, and I'm quoting from the, from the article I read, I believe it was in the philly.com. He, uh, he was an expert on resilience. And even with that, he'd confided that the job was harder than he anticipated. That's his quote. That's what he told his, uh, I think he told his mother over the phone. His mother said that she and the rest of his family were quote unquote confused as he was here's that recurring theme like the person I spoke about earlier in the beginning of the podcast he was the most smiling and upbeat person I've ever met in my life who cares for the caregiver you know so that's that's where this is how we we end up you know this is how we end up in these situations we we have to take make our mental health our overall health but our mental and psychological health uh, make it a priority okay so what can be done like i said uh we can talk to somebody you can you could recognize the signs uh, recognize the signs and start to reach out for help. For me, um, I can't speak for everybody else, but I know for me it was like I said prior. I I recognized that what I felt was a little piece of my you know my bedside manner is impeccable, but what I felt was my I felt like my, my my humanity was being stripped away. You know, you start to see people as like I said encounters as run numbers as Man, I just don't want to get written up. I want to do right by this person, but the main deal is I don't want to get written up. Um, you have to. Once I started, once I start, I, I started feeling like I was dehumanizing these people, unless it was a pediatric patient, and every gruesome pediatric encounter. I can still remember vividly. I can't remember every adult fucked up thing I've seen, but every pediatric fucked up thing I've seen, I can remember it like it was like it was yesterday. Um when I started to lose my humanity, it was alarming. When I started to behave out of character for me, it was alarming. Um, you know, your coworkers, my coworkers may not have noticed it or whatever, but I noticed it and that's enough for me. 
I noticed that, you know, I was upset about things that I wouldn't normally get upset about. I was noticing that things that normally brought me joy were not bringing me joy. Um, you know, a lot of my day was filled with like dread, a lot of dread, you know, a lot of, you know, never to the point of like self-harm or anything like that, but uh, just a very bleak outlook on the human condition, myself, just everything. And it was just, it was enough to shake me. You know, I knew that, you know, you don't, I don't have to be, you don't have, there's, no one said you have to be happy-go-lucky, kumbaya and shit all the time. But I knew, I, I recognized that I wasn't right and I wasn't right at a, um, at a fundamental level. So I said to myself, man, I need to, I need to do something. I need to do something. So I, I reached out and talked to some of my peers because here's the deal. Um, I get it. We don't really, if you, when you do this job, you don't really want to talk to people who don't and people might, for the most part, you know, when it comes down to critical incident, stress debriefing and, uh, critical incident stress management teams. Thankfully, they team they seem to have people who do the job uh, or in some way, shape, form, or fashion connected to emergency services. Um, that is a good thing. It might be a little bit harder to reach out to a professional, a mental health professional who has no idea about what we do. I mean, it's hard enough to explain to the general public, a lot of times what we do, they still think we're just ambulance drivers. Um, you know, they know what police do. They know what firefighters do. But, you know, but I don't know what the ambulance drivers do. They, oh, I know what they do. They drive you to the hospital. Well, a little bit more than that. And so it's hard enough to explain to lay people, the general public, about what we do, much less how our job affects us. Um. So you, you get across from, you're sitting across from a, a mental health specialist and you're trying to tell them about a bad call and they're, and how, and how it made you feel. And then they're, you know, they might be, you know, what, and, you know, and they, and they can't relate and they, they shouldn't be able to. I mean, we see, we see, we see some fucked up shit. We see stuff that people shouldn't have to see stuff that we wouldn't, I wouldn't wish, I wouldn't wish what I've seen on anybody. Um, so yeah, it's better that the CIS, the, the SISM and critical incident stress debriefing teams are people who do the job. And I was lucky, blessed enough tonight to uh, have a um, my counseling the group therapy session was with uh, a person who I knew personally a friend of mine but she's also a actual professional counselor um, 
But the main thing is that before she was a professional mental health counselor, she was a medic. So there's already that level of, uh, you know, understanding right there. One of my worst calls I've ever had, I remember, uh, this, this, the CISD team, the, they showed up at the firehouse after the call. And, uh, you know, I, res- you know, I respected them because um, they were people who, who, uh, you know, who did the job, whatever. But I really didn't want to speak to anybody but another, you know, but my peers. Um, and even then, it, you know, I, all I really wanted to do was go on vacation. Because I was supposed to go on vacation that next morning. I, I wanted to just get away from the whole thing. So um, I get it. I get it. When to speak to people who, who get you. So definitely, if you can, seek out someone you know, if you can, if you can talk to somebody else in your, your coworker or whatever, then, then good. If you know a, uh, a, a counselor or, um, mental health specialist that has a connection to EMS, good. Um, my point is to reach out and help, reach out for help, I should say. However you, however you do it, once you start recognizing the signs in yourself, uh, start reaching out for help. Don't wait till you get to the edge of the cliff to, uh, you know, because off, off times that's when, that's when the bad things happen. You know, that's when you start having the, that's when people do things that they can't take back. Um, so yeah, the, the counseling session I went to was amazing. Uh, shout outs to my buddy, uh, Maria. She's amazing. Amazing. I cannot say, enough good things about my experience with my first experience with uh, counseling slash therapy in regards to this job. Cannot say enough. Um, cannot say enough good things. Also, if you're not a provider and you know somebody who does this job, um, I'll say check in on your people. Uh, check in on your people who you know, you see like the, the, the strong people, you know what I mean? Like the people who do this job tend to be the people who, you know, oh, you know, you know, I'm, I do all the helping, you know what I mean? I help you, you don't, you know, I don't need any help, whatever. So check in on the strong people, especially the strong people, because a lot of times we are the ones who stow our feelings and our hurt and our, um, brokenness and put on that 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 strong facade for the public and you know whether it's a smile or you know just being straight laced all the time or whatever uh check on your check on the people who are strong too you know what i mean maybe them even more so i'm not putting your i'm not saying you know you need to be 110 percent responsible for their well-being um but check in on them all right um don't discount your feelings if you're a provider um do not discount your feelings you know do not discount do not make light do not negate oh it's no big deal um you know what's up mate right Every time I've ignored something in my life that 
was I, I where I just knew something was wrong, like especially my body and whatever. It's it's turned out to be catastrophic. You know, I ignored shortness of breath and chest pain for a few days. Eh, whatever. Turns out to be a, a blood clot. Almost kills me. You know, listen, man. Go, go and treat it. Get yourself looked at. Get yourself um, checked out. Take it seriously. Take your your mental physical psychological health seriously you know when something's not right you know i'm not gonna you know i I can't make it i can't make it where it's individual cases but you know when you're not right or maybe you don't but you have a suspicion that you're not right you're not completely all right and it's okay not to be all right it's okay not to be all right. We all are going through things. We all are struggling with things. It's okay not to be all right. Um, but go and seek out some help. Okay. Um, here's some resources for you. Uh, this is uh, some good info here. Uh, professional. Uh the National Suicide Prevention Hotline number is 1-800-273-8255. Once again, that number is 1-800-273-8255. They are available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Pick up the phone and call. I've never, uh, thankfully, I've never had to call them, but... Um, but yeah, give them a call. If you if you want to speak to somebody, if you want to get in contact with an organization that deals specifically with us, um, I have found the uh, <laughs> via Facebook the what's called the green the code green campaign, and they are located at codegreencampaign.org that's their web address and they bill themselves as a first responder oriented mental health advocacy and education organization their mission statement is to bring awareness to the high rates of mental health issues in first responders and reduce them um, eliminate the stigma that prevents people from admitting these issues and asking for help Okay, and also they want to educate first responders on self-care, peer care and advocate for systemic change and how mental health issues are addressed by first responder agencies. Um, They I've been watching them for about uh, two years now and they do some good stuff. Um, You know, those are those are two two of ways I, I'd suggest, you know, you go, you go get some help and just whatever. Listen, listen, this is me speaking, just real talk. Get in contact with somebody, anybody. And I mean this, I'm not just saying this. Contact me if you need to, 
I am so serious. I have literally done it for my friends and people who I'm, you know, who I've known who, you know, I may not be close with, but, you know, I call them, you know, friend or coworker. I've, I've done it. I'm not bragging. I'm just saying that if you call me, I will pick up. If you call me and you're at the end of your rope and you contact me and say, Jim, I'm at the end of my rope. I will answer. Okay. I will answer. Um, please, please, please. If I could help one person within the sound of my voice, please, if you don't do anything else for the love of God, call somebody. And if you, if you run out of somebody to call, if you don't have anybody to call, get in contact with me. Okay. Get in contact with me and I'll, I'll, I'll do my best to, to get, to do my best to get you through it. Um, we have to look out for one another in this job because no one else will. No one else really understands us like us. Okay. Okay. With that, I guess I'm going to close with this quote I found on the Facebook page for the Code Green campaign. Um, and know this, believe this, understand this. This is this is for real. Um, the quote is, man, I would rather sit for you as long as it takes and listen to the shit you're going through than to sit there for 15 minutes to listen to your eulogy. Remember that. I mean that. Take care. <laughs>